Welcome to Rock the Midlife Show, a podcast that brings you fun and interesting conversations to inspire, motivate, and encourage women on their journey through midlife. I am Alinka Tercic, your host. I help women at midlife to rediscover themselves and their vision and thrive through the transition into their next stage. Enjoy! Hey, hey, how are you? I am today with Sue Carpenter, and she's a teacher and mentor helping women to find food peace. And I feel like this is such an important topic at our age. I mean, at every age, food became such a big issue in everyone's lives. Hi, Sus. Hi, thank you so much for having me join you today. I'm so excited to have you because I feel like we really need to find that that peace and you know being okay with the food that we have and not just always counting calories and always you know mm. uh, seeing oh can I eat this can I eat that you know all the guilt and shame and you know all the kilos coming up and everything around that it became such a huge topic and it's I feel like oftentimes crippling crippling women from living their life. So I agree with you. you. How did you get to the food piece? And I know that you have your, your story around that, you know, and you've never had it. You, you haven't had it before. So can you share a little bit of your background first? Yes, I'd be happy to. So yes, about before I found food piece, it was me living this life where I had this big secret that I didn't plan to tell anybody, not even my husband. So uh, real quick about me though, is uh, I am Suze. I'm a certified nutritional consultant. I've been in the wellness space about 10 years. And basically my sweet spot is clear up food confusion for people so that they can win at losing weight. Because I see, saw, and knew that we have a serious problem. Women are suffering because they're really frustrated and confused by what it takes to lose weight. So what I did is I developed inexpensive virtual programs to help them understand how to eat so that they get their right weight right where they want it. And then they don't have to suffer anymore. And they're really creating a lifestyle that they love. And so at home, I am a mother of four, and I have been married just about 24 years, and I live just north of Georgia in the United States, and even though I'm 47, at least once a quarter of every year, I can still turn a load of white laundry pink <laughs> <laughs> and ruin the socks and the clothes. I think you're but... not too old for that. <laughs> 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 oh, I'm just like everybody else with that one for yeah. sure. So once upon a time, I used to teach first grade soon after I got married and I wanted to eventually come home and be home to raise the kids. But while I was teaching, I learned about myself that I could take complex science and explain it like a first grader. And so that helped me when I was raising the kids at home, helping them with their home. And then life threw us a big fat curveball in 2009. And you know, like it's not if you're going to get a curveball, especially since we're rocking the middle ages here. Um, it's when you're going to get the curveball. But what happened is my husband had been in a career for 14 years as a vice president, and he saw that they were not going to need that position in about three years. So we moved, um, followed his career, but it brought a 40% pay cut. And I say that because that's what made me open my mind to maybe becoming an entrepreneur. So 
I think I've always been an entrepreneur, by the way. I was the girl that was picking dandelions in the backyard and selling them in the front yard. So we moved down, we move our family and this 40% pay cut. And I promise you, we did not want to talk about it with one another because we just are the nicest people ever. And we didn't want to stress each other out. So we were sweeping that little subject under the rug. And I don't suggest that as free marital advice. <laughs> not to do. But but my husband was thinking, we just cut out savings for weddings and colleges and our retirement. And I thought, like a girl, I was like, we cut out smoking hot dates and trips and my kids need a lot of shoes and I don't want to budget grapes. I mean, that was kind of where I was. So I bump into a direct sales company of all things. And I just start fitting people to nutritional products and I liked it. I was good at it. But what I noticed is people were looking for magic diet pills. And I was like, guys, those don't exist. If they did, I would find them. And they were eating terribly, hoping that these supplements and things were going to get them a healthy result. So I ended up doing like this pro bono work where I would really work hard to try and help people make changes. You know, instead of drinking sugary drinks, get them closer to water, instead of fried chicken, getting the baked and grilled, that kind of thing. So what ends up happening is while I'm working with people and I'm loving it, I'm explaining things. Somebody says to me, hey, Suze, you say that you would die for your kids, but would you change for them? And that was the question that changed everything. And that's why I'm even on this podcast with you. Because up until that question, I never planned to tell any other soul that I had an eating disorder and that I had had it since I was a teenager. This thing was my greatest shame. I wrote this big, bad story about it inside my head. And I decided for everybody that knew me that if they found out about my secret, that I would be unlovable and unlikable. So I buried this thing down. And when that question was posed, would you change for your kids? In, it felt like in moments, I realized I didn't get myself help. My girls were going to grow up and have the same mean girl voice talking to them in the mirror, just like mine. And probably they were going to have a very fractured relationship with food, just like I did. And I couldn't stand that idea because my methodology was I would starve myself until biology took over and then I would binge. And then the binge would happen and I had to erase it and I couldn't throw up. So instead I would exercise to try and outrun my fork or then I began abusing laxatives and I could not get out of that spiral. It was getting me nowhere I wanted to go I even once upon a time weighed 226 pounds in this disorder. So it doesn't lead to the results we're looking for. I wanted out. I read, I studied, I was looking for answers of how to change this. And it was like it was hidden in plain sight and covered up by a lot of extra gobbledygook because the space is so, so crowded. So when I finally decided to be brave enough to go get help for me, so that I could be a better role model for my girls. That's when I learned some key principles that changed my life. And then in turn are what oh, helped me to find my voice and grow a company and a business that my whole mission is to clear up food confusion so that people don't have to suffer as long as I did. Because the information is something we should have been taught 
in high school. And it's like, it's just hidden in plain sight, kind of like when your sunglasses are on top of your head and you can't find them anywhere and they're right there. That's what this nutrition's a lot like. So I'm honored to be here on this podcast, just sharing the steps and the journey for me coming out from behind the curtain of shame and my eating disorder. No, thank you for sharing and thank you for being so open about it because, you know, we, like you said, we are hiding, we are keeping the secret, we are, you know, we are not sharing our feelings and we, oftentimes the food is just the, the bandaid on, you know, a deeper issue or something, other, yes. you know, other feelings and other situations that are going on in, in your life. And the food is just the indicator, you know, like that. That oh, that's sign. so true. That sign, you know, and, but we are, we are always just focused just on calories. And like you said, you know, trying to get that magic pill and, you know, not changing anything, but, oh, I will take this supplement. I will take that, the juice or shake, or, you know, I will just eat whatever, you know, I will just go without carbs or without fat or without this and without that. And with, all the noise around us right now. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm kind of our generation. I feel like we, we still know what real food is, (laughs) you know, you know, (laughs) we didn't grow up with the fast food and with the, with the Coke and everything, you know, it came later. So we, we still have, I feel like we still have that original memory (laughs) of what food should be. Yes. I, I really feel that this is our mission. One of my, one part of my mission is to bring that memories and bring that good old times, but really the good times, you know, when we were so connected with the nature and with everything back into the next and, you know, forward to the next generation. So can you share a little bit more about, you know, how did you, how did you actually change it? And, you know, maybe talk more about the the um the the thoughts that went you know behind in your in your head that led you to to the eating disorder oh that's a really good question so um anybody who's listening thinking i you know i have a even a disordered eating relationship with food where you just binge and fill and comfort eat. Um, I hope that some of the things that I share uh, take you to a remembering room so that you can also figure out like where the root of it is or where the triggers started because that was important for me to uncover that. So I am six foot two. I'm, I've been tall my whole life. I now say I have a different perspective on everything because I'm kind of looking down at the world. But I was tall as a young girl. Don't and, tell me that. You know, I'm 5'10", <laughs> so we are, you know, we are in the same, the same. Oh, We're in good company people, then. Always the tallest and everyone was saying, oh, you must be playing basketball. And I'm like, oh, yes, <laughs> <laughs> just go away. <laughs> So when I started this work to dig out from underneath the eating disorder, I had to go back to like some early thinking that I had. And so I realized that in middle school being so tall, because my height was something I couldn't control, I wanted to fit in and I wanted to in in every way you want to fit in, especially at that age. And so that was the beginning of trying to control the weight 
because I thought if I, I think subconsciously, if I could control the weight, I'll fit in, even though my tall body isn't fitting in. Interestingly enough, everybody compares. We look sideways. It's the thief of joy. We try not to do it, but truly the reason we're doing it is because our bodies are wired to, I mean, for survival and at the primal level, if you, we are cave dwellers is what our body thinks. And the women were inside the cave or on the fire taking care of the littles while the men were out gathering and killing the food. And if we women didn't conform to the pack and pleasing to the pack, we could have been kicked out. And if you're kicked out, you don't survive. Mm -hmm. So at a young age, that's the instinct that's coming in when we start comparing. And it's really about survival. Unfortunately, we take it one step further into, am I worthy? Am I pretty? And, and it spirals. So for me, it was my height. And then I remember this time when I was sitting on a school bus and I must've been middle school age again in that seventh or eighth grade. And I remember it being hot. These were flat on the bus seat and my thighs were spread out, of course, because my legs, and I was wearing shorts. And the popular boy walked past me and you know, he's popular because he was going to the back of the bus and he made this <laughs> comment about my thighs being big and they were not, but he said it. And the fact that I even remember that to this day is an indicator that that was beginning that was, yeah. some of the body image stuff that I was struggling with. So it just continued to layer from there. And a lot of it was that I was trying to control my weight because I thought that if I could be thin enough and pretty enough and fit into the right clothes, then I would be socially more acceptable or I would be more likely to win the um, election for president of something, or I would be more bold or magnetic or um, have more charisma in a conversation. You know, it was all these things that you were looking for self-confidence and the mean girl talking back in the mirror was holding you from what you truly wanted. And it was realizing that that's what I was trying to achieve was to find the self-confidence that began to help me to lay down the eating disorder. But I need to, I need to step back a minute more to share this part because to me, this was this would be what I would need to hear if I was thinking I need to move away from an eating disorder into creating a lifestyle. One is the way you eat right now is the way you need to be eating when you're 70 or 80, the same plan. And if you're not doing that right now, we haven't found the right pattern of eating. So when I started thinking I need to change my pattern of eating, I needed to know actually, how am I going to change? And so it went like this for me where I began to realize after they said, would you change for your kids? I realized I needed to do something, but I was scared to because my integrity and character was on the line. If I suddenly said out loud to someone what I was doing, I had to be willing to make changes and change is uncomfortable. I had to be willing to make changes and then be willing to risk that I was going to be bad at it and it might be hard or I may not be able to lay down the eating disorder. I didn't know it was in the future. And so I had to dig in and find a different kind of brave that I didn't know in the very beginning if I was capable of. Like I think right there is the tension point that holds people trapped. Is, is just that spot. So I knew I wanted to role model for my girls. 
I knew I didn't want their future to be like mine. And that's my, that was my fuel. But the next step was I had to journal it. I had to write it on paper. I couldn't, still couldn't speak it out loud. And then the first person I ever told was my counselor that I was working with that I hired once I was brave enough to make that phone call. I didn't even tell a loved one or a close friend first. And I still remember telling the counselor. And I thought that, um, oh, I remember the sweat coming up my neck and my hair getting all wet and sweaty. I felt like my bones were going to fall out of my body because I was so afraid because I wrote this big shame story. Turns out I was met with love and compassion and understanding. And she helped me practice how to tell my husband. And I was met with love and compassion and it turns out that this is a story that people are glad that I'm sharing. And they say that your message is in your mess. But for me, I had to baby step it. I had to go from thinking about it to journaling it, to hiring somebody to help me, to talking to them about it before I could ever talk to my husband about it. But it turns out great because I'm going to be a recovering person with an eating disorder for the rest of my life. I'm always going to have to be recovering. And so he now helps me with guardrails, you know, making sure that my triggers don't trigger me backwards and things like that. Amazing. I mean, I love how you share about your mess and the baby steps and, you know, all the fears and everything, because we are all going through that. And sometimes it's not about the food. Sometimes there are other comments like, you know, I remember my my teacher said to me that I will never, you know, be an artist or I will never, you know, I don't, I can't sing. And it really stopped me. Not that it's such a big, big influence as yours, yes. but it's still there, you know, mm-hmm. and all, all those comments, I, I experienced them as the, the same as you did. I was very tall. I was very thin. And my whole life, everyone was telling me, oh, you're so thin, you know, you could eat anything. And I, I was actually eating anything. And then mm-hmm. one day, one day, you know, my body just couldn't handle it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. And, you know, the kids were also, for me, the reason that I, I, you know, put myself together and get exercising and really starting experimenting with food and I don't have a bad connection with the food, but I like just like to eat. <laughs> so, yes. you know, but it's always like, oh, I can't do this to my kids. You know, I can't get overweight. And then you, you watch on TV, you know, like all these, these shows about, you know, really obese people. But when you hear their stories, it's always a trauma behind it. It's always something emotional behind that. Mm-hmm. And I always say that every 10 pounds that people have on them is like a layer of pain. That that layer of fat is almost a protective bubble from yeah. what it is that you're suffering with. Yeah. And everywhere you look, it's always like, oh, eat this and you will lose five pounds per week. And, you know, look at this, 10 pounds a day and, you know, things like that. And people are really not paying attention what's behind that and the the change is not permanent mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. well in, in the united states before we went into the covid lockdown 70 percent of americans were overweight or obese so already what was in place was not working. The lose 10 pounds quick wasn't working. The gym on every corner and exercising to be able to eat what you want, that doesn't work. And we're looking for pills and potions and Mm. everybody wants something, not everybody, but 
it's normal to want something really fast, like a microwave. And we need to think in terms of, we didn't get here overnight, so we're not going to get out of here overnight either. And our bodies are more like ovens. Just slow and steady is what's truly going to transform and get the weight off and keep it off. When you learn a pattern of eating that you love and you learn how to you know, like I say, we have compromise and discipline in every area of our life. Mm -hmm. I mean, as parents, compromise and discipline, paying bills, going to work, it requires that skill in so many places. And it's, it's as though in nutrition, somehow it got to be acceptable that you don't have to have compromise or discipline in this category. And I just want to challenge back to that's exactly what we need to do is pull in compromise and discipline with nutrition so that most of the time you're eating protein, fat, and I tell people protein, fat, and fiber because fiber is a zero calorie part to a carbohydrate and has so many health benefits. So let's focus on getting the fiber number up because high fiber carbohydrates help your body burn fat. So if we can mostly eat that, it turns off hungry hormones, it kills cravings. Then when you're in front of your top five favorite foods, you know, you know, like a lot of people love chocolate cake or chocolate chip cookies or macaroni and cheese. And if one of those favorites, then have a thoughtful indulge, have some, don't be restricted and deny and deprive yourself. But while we're losing weight, let's have fewer of those, eat more protein, fat, and fiber until the weight's off. And your weight becomes a balance between doing the same and having a few more thoughtful indulgences. But all it is, is just taking the skill of compromise and discipline and pulling it in here for success. I mean, success leaves clues. So if you've been successful anywhere in your life, anywhere, sports, the job, getting a degree, kids, uh, anything, you can be successful here too. You just are missing just a couple of key things. And I don't ever seek to influence. I want to educate. I want to educate so that you understand so well that you feel empowered. And then when you're empowered and you feel in control again, where most people feel out of control with their weight and with food, but when you're empowered and you feel controlled, then you, then you move into being inspired. And that's where you feel free and you feel like you can do this and you don't have the limiting thoughts and the mean girl voice. And you just settle into having what I call food peace. Yeah. I, I love when you say that we, we need to have control. And I think that the big issue that maybe nobody's talking about is also, you know, all these diets that are available, you know, all around. It kind mm-hmm. of gives you instructions and you can tick off, you know, okay, I, today I eat this and eat this and counting calories. It gives you like a false state of control mm-hmm. over, the, over the wrong thing in a way. Right. right, because that mentality of I'm just following rules, yeah. there comes a point where you want to defy rules and you want to come off doing whatever you're doing versus understanding this is the framework this is why this is going to benefit you. And then feeling like I can do this. I can yep. do this because I understand if, if your thought is, oh, I have to take out all my favorite foods in order to get the weight off. Well, what happens when the weight comes off? You go back to your favorite foods and it comes right back on again. And then some, so I, my heart hurts for all my women friends that have lost the same 10 pounds and gained it back. And then another two, 
and, and that feeling of I've lost weight before and here it is all mm -hmm. back on again. And I don't know if I have it in me to do this again, because that was really hard in order to get that to happen because of that feeling of being, you almost have to be obsessed with the yeah. subject in order to hold on tight enough to your goals to see it through for a long time. And that's a very difficult place to sustain. Mm -hmm. And really what, what I'm trying to teach is if you will instead get the right groceries in your house and just show up and eat protein, fat, and fiber meals, I'll help you with what those are. You're not going to feel like you are constantly holding on for your life for every single pound that comes off because the food will be working in your favor. You don't have to work so hard. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And this is a part of where I'm you know, trying to, to even with the, with the podcast, Rock the Midlife, you know, showing them it it can be fun it can be enjoyable it doesn't have to be a struggle you can struggle your way to your dream dream life you know oh. it has to be like this this you you have to find you know what you love and how you love it and try to find your way of incorporating all these these pieces of information that you get and you know because not every diet is for everyone. You know, you might like something, you might not like some food. Uh, you prefer eating in the morning or, you know, there, there are no strict rules and strict, uh, strict regulations for everyone. You have to find what works for you and what, what is enjoyable and how you can really think long-term, not just, oh, I will stick to this and suffer through it for 10 days and then going yeah. back. You know, and that's what I love about this podcast that you're doing, because you're speaking to all of us who have lived a life already and for a fair amount, I suspect, have had a fair amount of struggle in there. And the question really that you're posing, I feel like overarching theme with all of your podcast conversations is, do you want to struggle and suffer the second yeah. half? Or is it time to maybe take on some wisdom from a mentor or a leader or someone who yes. knows a little bit more in a certain area that can stand in the gaps for you and end the yep. suffering. And it's worth it. I mean, we just should not have to go forward. It's like the lessons learned up to this point are what it feels like to go alone and to struggle and suffer and moving forward. It's how do I do it better with less suffering? Yeah, I, I completely agree. So that we are not so black and <laughs> negative so what are the some of the things that you feel that women are doing right in their in their uh, connection or relationship with food that's how, a great how they question. can do more of that right right it's more like let's do more of it and crowd out the bad stuff so a lot of people are giving up sugary drinks and the soda pops, and there's an awareness of the expensive, fancy ice cream coffees, of just how many calories and carbs they have. So the fact that so many more people are turning to water again is wonderful. That's mm -hmm. so important for your body because actually being dehydrated mimics being hungry. There is also this shifting in identity where people want to be associating themselves as healthy eaters or having a healthy lifestyle. A new sense of um, attached to that, where before, years ago, being healthy was kind of the, the small population and frowned upon, like you were, you were 
living a life of lack because you were mm-hmm. too healthy. Where now it's like, no, I'm a healthy eater. And there's so much pride that it's gaining a lot of momentum. And that's so encouraging for where we're headed. People are really starting to pay attention to their wellness. So having said that, there's a lot more focus on ordering different, purchasing groceries different, making meals look a little bit different. Maybe we're missing the mark just a little bit on some of those, but people are paying attention to it now. They're starting to realize that they need to exercise in a way that they love rather than just exercise to exercise, but really that it's pick a type of exercise you can do for the rest of your life that you like Mm -hmm. and do that. And I think the last thing about this, people are doing things is that they're realizing they have to do something that's right for them, not copycat their neighbor because it was right for So they're looking and they're open, but they're definitely pursuing a lifestyle. Like a, there's so much awareness that people know that diets don't work, but the tension is they want something to work. So they're realizing um, almost like they're having to be really flexible into I'm going to have to figure out a lifestyle I can sustain. And they're looking for that just as hard as I'm looking for them to tell them. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I, I, I mean, I love that because I, I feel like we are in the midlife and then for too long, it was like the end of the world and and the end of the life. And now we are facing another 30, 40, 50 years that we have to stay in the best shape in the best, you know, being fit and being healthy as long as we can, because we still have so much joy and life in in ourselves and fire and passion and everything. So definitely. Yes. So so, so how can you help them where people can find you, how they can reach out to you? What can you offer them for, you know, to support them in this journey? So, yes. So, First off, everything is Carpenter 180. So it's Carpenter, C-A-R-P-E-N-T-E-R-O-N-E-8-0. So you have to spell the, the number one. So Instagram, Carpenter 180, Facebook, Carpenter 180. And then same thing with my website. So that's www.carpenter.com. And then what I have for your listeners is, first off, follow me on Instagram and the stories because at least once a day I show a protein, fat, and fiber, something that I'm eating. And you'll see that it's not chicken and broccoli. It's really (laughs) delicious. And I know how to bake with fiber so that we can get our waffles and our biscuits and our pancakes. And I even know how to make healthier bagels, you know, like, so I'm worth looking at for that because it can be great role model. But if you go to my website, I have seven free days of a program called Sue's on your shoulder. SOS, your daily SOS. So this is back when we learned our threes and fours in um, grade school for multiplication facts. We would practice our threes and fours. And then the next thing we knew we were doing the nines and tens because we were getting so good at it. But the teacher would bring you back to threes and fours. And we can multiply now like crazy. We're great at it. Well, I took the same idea with SOS and I did daily sound bites. And it's a bite-sized nutrition course broken into three to four minute audio messages that come right to your text. So free seven days, lots of resources come with that. And then if somebody loves it, after your free trial, it's $15 a month. I kept it super inexpensive so that the masses can get their hands on this information 
because I'm not teaching a fad. I'm just teaching the three macronutrients and why and what to look for. Just really practical stuff. But at checkout for SOS, put in the word middle and I'll send you four different expanded grocery lists that are not overwhelming like those 17 page ones that nobody uses, but these are the really practical grocery lists that will really help you buy the right things and not buy the wrong things and waste money or calories and carbs. Awesome. Thank you so much. And this is really an amazing offer. And I like that you put it into like really short pieces and, you know, small bites where, you know, everyone can find the time and it, like you said, it's super affordable. So we really can have any more excuses to, you know, to, <laughs> to ruin our lives with, with food because food is, food is good. Food is great. Eating is fun, you know, being together yes. at the table is, is amazing. But then, you know, Oh, you know, that women wanna, want to enjoy it too. <laughs> that's right. We need to get women back to eating dinner with the family and foods yeah. that they know that they can enjoy that the family yeah. loves. I know too many people that they skip their dinner with their family because they're afraid of the food. Yeah. Yeah, I so love what you're doing. And, you know, I hope that a lot of listeners will take your offer and at least check, check you out or check your stories and Instagram and what you are doing every day. And find, like you said, the education and inspiration, you know, to, to look into their own habits and to look into their own reasons why they have this this issue with food and how they are relate to food. So thank you so much, Sus. For, I, it was really a pleasure to having you and talking to you. And uh, I hope we do it again. I do too. My pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for joining us on Rock the Midlife Show. If you find value, you can visit our website, rockthemidlife.com where you can listen to previous episodes and subscribe on iTunes, Google Podcasts and other platforms so you never miss an episode. I would very much appreciate a rating on iTunes or if you simply tell a friend about it. You might also want to check out our Facebook community, The Midlife Sorority. I hope we meet again next week for our new episode. Bye!